Oh, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, thanking you all for being here, right here, uh, wherever you're deciding to listening to listen to listening to listen to this podcast that I am recording on uh, June 23rd, 2022. Whether it's on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Where where the magic happens, where I record live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. If you ever have the inclination, come have a chat, come have a come have a, a chit chat with us during the live chat. But if you're listening to this on demand, thank you so very much. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, thank you very much as well. Bit of a slower week in news this week as opposed to you know the past couple, uh, but still managed to cram a lot of things in. I was able to get. Uh, I I was able to talk about a lot of stuff on the podcast tonight, Uh, you know, essentially going through, of course, uh, uh, Forbidden Door. I'm doing a preview of Forbidden Door in relation to everything that happened in New Japan over the past week. And, of course, the most recent edition of Dynamite, the go-home show uh, for Forbidden Door. So, a lot of talk about that, a lot of uh, 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 a good preview of it. I would agree, I would say, probably the most balanced preview of uh of forbidden door that you're gonna hear out there yeah you know, not uh not completely on the hater side and not completely on the absolute super fan side either i think uh, i think my 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 position is very very well balanced so stick around and and give that a listen um and towards the end we also talk about vince mcmahon and a whole bunch of stuff right my shows are always packed full with all sorts of wrestling opinion and i'm glad that you're here and if you want to show some support look very easy ways to do it uh if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application a five-star review on itunes a five-star rating on spotify uh likes subscriptions follows anything you can do to just jump on the and look warren this is how much we like you great that shows the the services that uh, you guys are interested in this so it'll help the podcast grow that's always exciting if you're listening to this on your on on youtube though on, on the uh with the video on demand look very simple leave a like on the video that's tremendous leave a comment on the video that's also tremendous tell me which matches you're looking forward to at forbidden door are you excited for forbidden door did the card did the way that the card turned out sort of tamper uh, temper your 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 excitement let me know let's have a conversation i promise i'll i'll respond back and you know you can also leave a, a super thanks in the comments as well which is kind of like a super chat but uh but a super thanks and you know what next week i will read your your comments on the podcast uh if you if you leave a super thanks so that's great and you can also become a member of the mr warren hayes show channel that also shows a, a bit of support you can just uh, become a member join you'll get access to uh you'll get access to members only uh members only uh, uh streams and, and events just for members essentially so check that out and become a member of the mr warren Hay show discord come and je- join us talk about wrestling look it's all a good time bell to bells women's wrestling wire b-e-l-l-t-o-b-e-l-l-e-s.com youtube.com slash bell to bells twitter at bell to bells there's so much stuff, so much wonderful stuff, but I'm mostly glad you're here. Let's jump right into this week's edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Why don't we start by uh, figuring out something nice to say about Bill Goldberg? Warren Hayes has 
nice things to say about Goldberg. Now, if you've been following wrestling news these days, everyone is injured. Everyone's hurt. But not Goldberg. No, no. At least Goldberg always had the decency of injuring others instead of himself. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. Before we get into any details, anything regarding uh, 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 pro wrestling uh, tonight, um, well, I mean, it's all going to be about pro wrestling, but before we get into, uh, into talking about New Japan, Forbidden Door, uh, Vince McMahon, all that stuff, um, couple of a uh, couple of notes here just uh, before we move on. Uh, former WWE referee Dave Hebner passed away. Uh, he was uh, 73 years old. Uh, the 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 um, he began uh, Dave began working uh, with his twin brother Earl. Of course, uh, they began working around their hometown of Richmond, Virginia, in the 1970s before joining uh, the uh, WWF in the 80s. Uh, Dave worked uh, big matches during the company's rock and roll era, including uh, Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage's WrestleMania three match. Uh, both Hebners got a place of the spotlight in the infamous twin magic evil twin ref angle in 1998 that included Earl being paid off by Ted DiBiase to replace Dave and ensure that Andre the Giant won the WWF championship from, uh, from Hulk Hogan on that uh, legendary episode of Saturday Night's main event. Dave stopped working uh, the ring in the ring after having knee replace knee replacement surgery. Excuse me, and uh, became a, an agent instead. He continued there until 2005, where he was released. Did some work over in uh, Impact TNA uh, and on the Indies. Um, he uh, he has recent he recently the past few years suffered a variety of ailments, including dementia, Parkinson's disease, and uh, he was part of that. Uh, ultimately dismissed class action lawsuit that brought uh, WWE, uh, that uh, that was brought against WWE over CTE uh, and other uh, head trauma issues. Uh, 73 years old, um, and if anyone who was watching wrestling at the time throughout all those years uh, has seen uh, Dave Hebner uh, perform, our condolences to uh, his brother Earl, and um, and to the entire Hebner clan as well. And then on, on the heels of that, uh, it was uh, also, uh, we also found out that uh, former WWE referee Tim White also passed away at the, uh, at the age of, uh, at the age of 68 years old. The former WWE referee was 68 years old. Uh, we learned this uh, just this past Sunday. When WWE uh, wrote on Twitter that they were saddened to learn that the long time that long time referee Tim White had passed away, um, White was with WWE from 1985 uh, right up to 2009, and uh, before that he had worked as Andre the Giant's agent before becoming a full time referee in 1993. White refereed some of the biggest matches in WWE history, including the Hell in a Cell match between Mankind and the Undertaker at King of the Ring 1998. Um, again, a very sad passing of another uh, iconic referee uh, for that era of wrestling. Our condolences to the entire uh, White clan as well. Um, will sorely be missed. Both men on will sorely, sorely be missed. 
So on that note, let's begin. Let's kick this off with the weekly wrestling inspection. Why don't we? Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling to begin with. So we're going to be moving into the Forbidden Door preview. I think this is the big the 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 big thing that I'm, I'm gonna talk about. But there is a path to get to the Forbidden Door here, and it starts with New Japan, uh, which earlier uh, this week, uh, last week, had their uh, new or even this week. No, no, it was just a few days ago. Come to think of it, I, I feel like time flies so fast. But no, it was just a couple of days ago that it came to an end. Uh, they had their uh, New Japan Road matches, the New Japan Road Tour. Um, and there were multiple matches. Look, there wasn't a lot necessarily to to speak on, to get overly excited about. There were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of uh, tag team matches. You know, it's, you know, one of these typical, usual Road 2 shows that you get in New Japan. Um, I guess you know one of the one of the uh, 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 markers here is that TJP and Francesco Akira, representing the United Empire, defeated Taguchi and Master Wato uh, to become the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Congratulations to them! Uh, but uh, but the tour came to a close on June twenty first, and I'm not going to break down the entire thing because I do want to get to the. Forbidden Door stuff, so I'm not going to break down everything, but there, you know, there, there, are, there are two matches here that we should discuss because they were very good, um, and uh, and had uh, and had well, at least one of them has implications uh, for the Forbidden Door show. That match being the AEW All Atlantic Title Qualifying Match, where Tomohiro Ishii defeated Clark Connors. This was uh, a big good old-fashioned strong fight between two guys who are all about power, right? And they had established, they'd been establishing Clark Connors, and especially during the best of Super Juniors, or establishing him as a power junior, right? As a guy who relies more on his strength and his physicality as opposed to, uh, as opposed to high-flying, uh, high-flying speed, uh, uh, as they like to say, flippy stuff. Um, and it was cool because he really stood toe-to-toe with Ishii, and I feel like this match really helped elevate uh, Connors here to a degree where it's like, look, he's hanging with a heavyweight with Ishii, who is one of these, um, you know, gatekeepers to a degree, uh, and he did, he did a fantastic job here. Connors early on hits the pounce on, Ish- on Ishii, uh, uh, there's a big, big chop battle early on as well. Clark Connors lariats uh, Ishii down, hits the extension, the extinction elbow, and a spear off the second turnbuckle as well. More strikes, forearms, headbutts. There's a power bomb by Ishii. Clark Connors fights back with the German Ishii right back up on his feet, eats a spear from Connors, and then eats a second one on top of that. Connors slaps the taste out of Ishii's mouth, and literally, you saw the taste fly out of Ishii's mouth, get a lariat and a brain buster, though, by Ishii, puts him away, great, great showing by Clark Connors, now, Ishii, this this came to no surprise to anyone, Ishii defeated 
um, uh, uh, defeated uh, Kanemaru in the uh, in his preliminary match, and Cl- and Clark Connors defeated uh, Hanma. Um, and so both men going forward, or was it the other way around? No, no, I'm pretty sure. I just slipped my mind for a second. Uh, and um, there was really no shock here, right? It wasn't about, it really wasn't about the destination in this case. It was the journey. I don't think anyone was expecting Tom Ishii to not qualify for the big match over at the United Center. But we learned today, and this is like, maybe like 90 minutes before I started the show. New Japan, AEW both announced that Tomohiro Ishii is injured. And it's uh, like, it's, I'm laughing, not because, not because Ishii is injured. If Ishii is injured and unable to compete, that fucking sucks. And, you know, what? whatever ailment ails him, I hope he, I hope he recovers. I hope he recovers Quickly, and he's back on his feet. Uh, I hope he gets well soon, uh, because that stinks. I'm giggling because this has been the story in pro wrestling now for like if the better part of what three weeks now. Just people injury after injury. Like there's there is an injury bug happening right now, and it's wild how this stuff happens just out of the blue. All of a sudden, you get a stretch of people who's just like, so-and-so's interested. And now Ishii, toss Ishii onto that pile. So despite the fact that he won the match earlier this week on June 21st, I'm not mistaken, despite the fact that Ishii won, he's not going to compete. And Clark Connors, who was the runner-up, is going to be in the uh, in the four-way match for the uh, All-Atlantic title. Ain't that something? Uh, this was a this I thought this match was great. I thought it was really 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 good. I thought it was a lot of fun. Right up my my right up my speed. I thought it was very very good. And uh the last match of the last night of the tour, right? Was none other than for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title where champion Taiji Ishimori successfully retained his title against Hiromu Takahashi. And it was a hell of a match. Absolutely outstanding. Excellent match. There was a quick initial outburst of offense from both guys, which was a lot of fun. And uh, Ishii then hits the floor and he suckers Hiromu to come after him. And this is where Ishii starts to work uh, 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 Hiromu's arm. And really well on top of that. Convincingly well. Not just like, Stomping on it. He does do, you know, stomps and, you know, wrapping it around the post and all that jazz. But he's breaking out holds, maneuvers. Like it's, And on top of that, fantastic selling by Hiromu. When Hiromu starts to get a body part, uh, when, when, when a body part starts getting picked apart, <laughs> but Hiromu starts screeching, right? Like he starts... Selling it like his like like his life depends on it, and it kind of does because if he does a bad job at selling, he might not wrestle anymore. Uh, <laughs> but no, but he, like he, you can tell like that the situation becomes really dire, and uh, helps add to the drama. You hope for the comeback, right? Like so when uh, Hiromu hits a missile drop kick 
off the apron to the floor, for instance. You're like, yeah, all right, our boy's still in it. Then he goes back into the ring. He hits a falcon arrow. Ishii, uh, not Ishii, excuse me, Ishimori hits the sliding German. Sunset bomb attempt uh, off the apron by Hiromu that he always tries to do and, you know, doesn't work most of the time. It's thwarted again. Ish, uh, Ishimori hangs on to the ropes, but then he somersaults off the apron, spins Hiromu right onto his shoulder, and then lawn darts Hiromu right into the post. That was so, just some great stuff. There's a golden triangle then after by Ishii. Not Ishii, Ishimori. Jesus, get get it out of your mouth, brother. <laughs> by Ishimori and then a destroyer. Uh, he uh, he runs at uh, at Hiromu, but Hiromu monkey flips him into the turnbuckles in a great spot. But uh, Ishimori gets La Mystica locked in and Hiromu struggles to get out of it. And it's a good, long struggle. One that feels... It, it feels difficult. It feels painful. Like you're really behind Hiromu here. So when he does break out, you're like, man, he broke out. But at what cost? Like you really bought into it. Um, There's a pile driver on the apron by Ishimori. A little later, we get a time bomb by Hiromu. And Ishimori kicks out like at a slice of 2.9 out of 3. Just like, just basically, basically doing it. Um, Hiromu lifts, uh, lifts him up, um, uh, lifts him up on his shoulders, but Ishimori again just transitions into La Mystica, and I'm like, just beautiful stuff. Some more strikes, some kicks, both guys exhausted. Hiromu hits a stunner, he goes for the time bomb too, and it's avoided. Uh, Ishimori sort of starts struggling, shifts Hiromu's weight, so Hiromu stumbles into the corner with with uh, Ishimori on his shoulders. Ishimori gets on the, the on the top turnbuckle and drags him up into the corner with a dragon sleeper, and then does a top rope. I guess an inverted DDT, an avalanche inverted DDT, which was fantastic stuff. You know, in a dragon's dragon sleeper position, drops down. Great stuff. Bloody Cross gets the job done for Ishimori. Bloody good match. Bloody Cross, bloody good match. Uh, match of the year. Like, this was fantastic. This is was absolutely remarkable. As far as... Uh, as far as, And look, we've been spoiled over the weekend, I found, with some really fantastic, really fantastic top-tier match of the year candidates uh on uh, on the 19th you had uh Kanosuke Takashira who took on Lee Moriarty at uh, uh the Wrestle Prestige show which was outstanding a match of the year without a question uh we got John Moxley versus Tony Deppen at the GCW show which was outstanding as well um you had at AAA there was a a, a five-way match Bandito Ray Phoenix Tarus, Laredo Kid, and uh, Vikingo, which was amazing. Then you had Will Ospreay and Nick Wayne, which was a barn burner. And then you get this one here. Just a great weekend for some amazing wrestling. This was a nice, uh, a, a nice mainstream offering here. Just, just an excellent match. An excellent match. I loved it. So it, it, it's a match of the year candidate. On top of that. Justin Firestein, nice to see you, by the way. Welcome to the chat. 
Now, after the match, after the match is done, we are not done because suddenly a familiar musical tune starts to bellow across the, um, the, the, the venue. And it is none other, it heralds none other the return of one Kushida. Back in New Japan Pro Wrestling, he comes into the ring, grabs the microphone, and outright challenges our boy, uh, our boy Taiji Shimori, telling him, brother, that's not what he said, he didn't say brother, he hasn't been Americanized to that point yet, but he does say, he does challenge him for, for the title, and Ishimori's like, oh yeah, there's a, Head to the back of the line, sport. There's no cutsies. You know, I don't care who you are. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You're not coming in that easy. So, I thought this was I thought this was uh, a, a nice surprise, but not an unexpected surprise, right? It's not something that we that you know anyone who's been paying attention anyway was like, oh my god. You know, if you hang around and you listen, you you know, you read the news sites, and I think I even talked about it. You know, uh, uh, Kushida's deal with WWE uh, came up in April, and he didn't renew, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm no, I'm gonna sit this one out. Thank you, thank you, boys." Um, and uh, he flew, uh, he flew back to uh, New Japan, where they're welcoming him back with open arms. Apparently, clearly, uh, he he did say. Uh, in so he did say that his uh, 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 he still lives in Orlando, but I think what he said is that he's moving to Los Angeles, uh, and he's you know clearly to be able to wrestle, fly easier over to to Japan. Because let's not forget what he came to WWE two thousand two thousand twenty. Hang on. Let's get this right. Get get your shit together, Warren. Let's make sure. He started in WWE in 2019. Excuse me. So a year before. So he and he uprooted his family. He brought he brought his wife and his his children or child. I, look whatever his private life is, is, is his business but he brought his whole family over right so do you do you really uproot and head back to Japan like only like 4 years later and I don't know I it would be a it would be a tough pill to swallow for me but he's going to move to Los Angeles my guess would be that he's going to probably help out in the dojo but probably also wrestle maybe a little more on the US side as well uh, which could be, uh, which is, which could be really, really interesting and a lot of fun. And the fact that he's in Los Angeles, where I guess he's as close as he can be to uh, to Japan to get some flights, as opposed to leaving from all the way the fuck on the East Coast and then travel all the way to Japan. That's uh, that's a bit of a bummer. So um, so good for him. So good for him. We he's back the six time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champ. Two-time Best of Super Junior Champion. I'm excited. I'm excited to see. And there's a lot of speculation going around. Is he like you know? Is he going to? Is he going to transition into the um, 
into the uh, heavyweight division. And there's a lot of talk about juniors transitioning into the heavyweight division, I find. Um, you know, there's that persistent rumor that Hiromu's going to do it. And I've, you know, I've talked about it at length here. Uh, I think that is, that's almost a certainty. I think it's, I think it's inevitable at this point. Um, El Fantasmo being tossed into the G1 um, is definitely a sign that he's going to be, uh, that he's going to move up. Apparently management is really, really high on him. They really like him. And you know how much, you know how much they like taking their junior guy jeans and then turning them into big deals, right? Kenny Omega, uh, Jay White, uh, El Fantasmo has the chops. He really, really has, he has the, he has the, the, the personality, the charisma down to be a top star. And we've seen it recently. He can work. Work as hard as hell. So there's definitely there's you know definitely talk on that level as well that maybe just maybe El Fantasmo might be moving up. So you know how many Kushida, Hiromu, ELP, that's a lot of people. It's a lot you know, you don't want to leave your your junior division all that sparse either. But look, ELP as a ELP as a heavyweight makes sense. Hiromu as a heavyweight makes sense. I talked about it as well, you know, if only because of his, how he has to change his moveset after his injury, so on and so forth. You know, it's, it's we're, we don't have the same Hiromu. We don't have the Hiromu that we had, you know, in the mid 2000s anymore. That's, it's just not him anymore, um, which is understandable. That's not a knock. It's just understandable that he has to transition his, his offense, right? Um, Kushida comes back. You know, there was a lot of talk about, a lot of speculation that his grievances in regards to what, you know, one of the reasons why he left New Japan in the first place is because he felt he hit a ceiling and that there was no more upward mobility for him to a degree. Has Gato changed his tune since then? Is Gato more ready to be inclined to say, yeah, Kushida, let's make you, let's make you a heavyweight now? I don't know. I even heard a rumor that he might be, uh, be considered for a Bullet Club. Despite the fact that Bullet Club right now, I feel, is the most interesting it's been in years. <laughs> I still think it's a little weird. Let's, um, since we're still on the subject of New Japan, earlier this week, we got the blocks. The blocks were announced for New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax Tournament, which will be beginning uh, in, in July, ending uh, with semifinal matches on the 17th and... Uh, the final match on the on August 18th. It's starting like in two weeks, right? Like in mid-July. Uh, in case you haven't heard, I talked about it last week, but in case you haven't heard, we're getting four blocks uh, instead of the, the two that we've been used to over the past few years. Uh, this is the first time that the tournament is going to have a four block set up since 2002, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so they had announced the field, uh, we're all ready to go. They had announced the field, but without the blocks, now we know what the blocks are. And this is what it's going to be like. A block. We've got Kazuchika Okada, Toru Yano, Tom Lawler, Jeff Cobb, Jonah, Bad Luck Fale, and Lance Archer. 
This is the Haas block. You kidding me? Fale Cobb, Jonah Archer. As a lot of people like to say, big meaty men slapping meat. This is it. This is the one. <laughs> this is the one. You kidding me? Archer, Jonah, Cobb, Fale. You got Yano for the night off. For the, you know, the, the little break for everyone here. You got Lawler who's going to just, he's going to kick ass everywhere. And you've got the Rainmaker. Who's just going to make mincemeat out of all of these dudes. Because uh, we're still, uh, Okada's still the top guy. Don't forget, you know, Jay White and all. But holy shit. So th that's what this is. Now, I also think this is the block that has the most potential to have the snoo snooze fests. Because we're going to be honest with each other here. I think we can be honest with each other. We've known each other for quite some time now at this point. I've been doing this for, uh, we're heading into year five, I believe. Four years. So, you know, we, we've had a long extended relationship, you and I. Um, this is, we no longer have the bad luck folly of old. This is not this is not uh, bad luck folly from uh, 2013, 2012, 2013, 2014. Uh, it, he just it just doesn't work anymore. He's yeah, he's a big guy. He's a big dude, and he's uh, a, a, you know big influence uh, backstage, and he helps the guy. He trains guys and so on and so. Absolutely, I'm not going to take anything away from him. But as far as his in ring goes, uh, and you know. I like Jonah a lot, uh, and it's all on him in this G1 to a degree to change my impressions of him where he he can he can have a little trouble captivating me, keeping my attention, right? Uh, as good as he can be, he can also he can also be a little uh, a little bit of a he could be a little bit of a snoozer sometimes. Archer goes, Lawler, Cobb is great. And then you have Yano in there who's going to be thrown in to try and... Like, potentially A-Block. A-Block, I find, has the most potential for snooze fests. And I think it's the least interesting one. Because as it stands, I look at the field here and it's like, Ow, oh, is winning this block. Unless they really want to pull a swerve on us. But who who do you swerve with? Honestly, who do you swerve with to win this block if it's not Kazuchika Okada? Jeff Cobb? Archer? Maybe? But Archer is, you know, he's he's an AEW guy these days, more than a New Japan guy. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Block B is going to be consisted of Jay White, Tamahiro Ishii, Sanada, Tamatanga, Great Okan, Chase Owens, and Taichi. This is my block. This is my block. This is mine, 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 mine. This is the one that has me going. Yeah, okay. This, this, this has the potential to really have the 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 the, the most fun. 
to be the most interesting. Uh, the champ is in here first and foremost, Jay White. So right off the bat, that you know, and I'm you know, I'm a Jay White guy. So straight off, I'm in. I, I'm in here. You got Ishii, who is you know, who's been consistently right the MVP. You know, but always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But Ishii is one of those guys who just makes everyone shine every time. Um, and he's probably going to be towards the end of his G1s, right? Like last year, Ishii had a good G1, but not as... He didn't have an MVP performance like he's had in years previous. Like in 2019, 2018, 2019, Ishii carried... So many matches in that uh, in that G1 just made everyone look like a million bucks. Uh, I think he still has it, but, you know, he's getting up there. This could be one of his last G1s, I would assume. And he's in there. Sonata in there as well. That's that, that's a solid uh, that's a solid choice. Again, uh, it, it depends also. Sonata is very hit and miss. Tamatanga, I think he's turning him babyface was such a good idea, such a career resurgence. Uh, uh, I, the Japanese crowds have really latched on to him, and his explosiveness has been such a that he's always had, but it's been such a, 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 a an essential tool for him right in this in this environment. As a babyface, it's been so essential now because he's really able to tap into that. Make himself look great. Great O'Connor is fantastic. Chase Owens had a really good G1 last year. And you can tell, you can, look, you can tell uh, the office is ready to get behind Chase Owens. You can tell. I don't think he's going to be the pin eater in this block to a degree I might see Tamatanga. I might see Ishii being the pin eaters here, as opposed to Chase Owens. I'm not saying he's going to run away and win the block, but I think he's probably going to have a much better G1 performance than last year. They they strapped the belts to him and Fale, um, uh, not that long ago, just a couple of uh, few weeks ago. Great Okan and 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 Jeff Cobb won them back. Sure. I think that this is a question of legitimizing Chase Owens in the in, in the eyes of viewers. We're we're getting there. We're I I you I wouldn't be surprised at all because he, again he had a really good G one. You wouldn't know it by his score, by his final point. I think he I think he only won one match, um, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised here if he uh, if he had a good one. And I think Tai Chi is going to have a good. G1 as well. Super over. And he's been... War- look! Look! A couple of years ago, was I was sitting in... Maybe not exactly this chair, but in this position. And I was telling y'all, I don't understand why... Uh, I don't understand why anyone would get behind Taichi. You know, he's a... he At that time, pushing 40. Uh, Eternal mid-carder. He's, you know... His shit is uh, off and on. Uh, why would you get behind him? There's no reason, really... And then he's had a legitimate career resurgence. He's been, he's one of the most solid performers they have. Um, consistent. Do I see him winning the block? Not necessarily. I think in this block, you know, it will either be Jay White who's going to win. And the other possible 
One is Great Okan, because if there's one guy that the office is ready to strap, it's Great Okan. Absolutely ready for that to happen. I'm expecting Great Okan to, to be in a top-level match at uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year. Don't underestimate, don't underestimate this. And I know there's a, still a lot of, <laughs> Great Okan, what the fuck? Honestly, don't underestimate this. Block C is going to be Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, Tetsuya Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., Aaron Hanare, Kenta, making his return, and Evil. Kenta's uh, coming back before that. He's going to be wrestling in a few days uh, in, in Japan. Um, this is another very interesting block. Um, and, you know, I can't say that there's a clear-cut winner here um tanahashi is definitely one of those guys whose g1 success is maybe behind him at this point um i think this is one of these guys that is going to be slowly cycled out same thing with hiroki goto remember you know a few years ago the the g and g1 stands for goto you remember ah, that hasn't been a thing for 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 years at this point um, and I'm not saying that these are, you know, oh, it's going to be his final G1. They're pulling the plug on Tanahashi. They're going to put him with the dads officially or whatever, you know. And Goto, he's, he's done. Hit the bricks, pal. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, I, I, I think we may be at a point where we're going to start cycling, uh, cycling out um, guys like Tanahashi, like Goto in this tournament. You know, Naito's getting up there too. Recent surgery, his, you know, his knees, so on and so forth. Like, you know, uh, he's getting up there too. Zack Sabre Jr. had a fan, uh, fantastic G1 last year. Uh, won his block. Uh, just fantastic stuff. We don't know what kind of mood they're going to be in regards to Kenta or Evil either. If anything, I think... I think safe money, and I'm not saying necessarily smart money, but safe money is betting on evil. Because I they really like evil. And if you're doing Okada, Jay White, winning blocks, you want another big heel in there, and that's evil. Don't forget, they really like the House of Torture. You know, Dick Togo is involved, and he's involved in the, uh, uh, in the booking of New Japan as well, you know, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't throw that possibility away, let's put it that way, I definitely wouldn't dump on it, that evil might win the block here, I think Aaron Hanare is going to be eating up a lot of pins here, uh, Goto as well, like I said, the G and G1 for Goto, I think that that thing is done, it's going to be a race between Kenta Evil, Tanahashi, Naito, I think that's what we're going to see. And, and Zack Sabre Jr., excuse me. We're going to see how all that goes. That This is the most interesting block, I think, when it comes to, you know, so many top-level stars and how they get booked. Very interesting. And then if we wrap up with the D block, it's going to be Will Ospreay, Yoshihashi, Shingo Takagi, Dave Finley, Juice Robinson, El Fantasmo, and Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Pimp! 
I'm so sick of that bit. But I'm committed. I'm I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live through it. Reality creator, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. We're gonna be talking about Forbidden Door in just a, a few. Hang in there. Hang with us. It's gonna be a good a good talk. It's gonna be better than talking about Yujiro Takahashi. Look, we know why Yujiro is in here too. You know what? <laughs> DGMC, you man, nice to see you, DGMC, member of the Mr. Warren Hay Show channel. Nice to see you. Left his. Used his member's milestone message. 26 months as a member. Thank you very much for your support. And he says, I'm sick of the bit too. But then see, then you have people in the chat saying, never stop the Tokyo pimp bit. So fight it out amongst yourselves. <laughs> I'm committed. I'm committed. Um, so we have, so, so this is the, the last block here. I think there's there's a lot of interesting matches, and I, a lot of them revolve around El Fantasmo, who is going to be like the he's the dark horse in this. It's going to be his first G1. He's a junior coming in to fight with some heavyweights, but you feel like he's going down the Will Osprey path here, where Will Osprey, you know, was in best of super juniors, and then next thing you know, he's in the G1 and he's fighting the heavies. I think this is where we're going here. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting interesting first time matches here uh, that we're going to get or at least it, maybe not first time but interesting matches within the context of the G1 El Fantasma and Will Ospreay I'm here for it El Fantasma and Shingo are you fucking kidding me uh, look even Fantasma and Finley if we get the Dave Finley who showed up uh two weeks ago on Dynamite to fight Adam Page if we get that dude uh, we're, we're in for a treat Yujiro and, and Dave are here to take the pins, right? I don't I don't think I think Juice is gonna have a pretty good G1, if only because uh he's being pushed now. He's a member of Bullet Club. I think Yoshihashi's story of you know working really hard, because Yoshihashi works his ass off in the G1. The past two G1s he's been here. Just watching, he's been uh, j- just working his ass off. But never pulls, you know, he was at the bottom of the rung. And I think this is going to be the same story here. Um, I, It's hard. It's hard to see this block and not say, look, it's Osprey's to lose, right? Shingo is in there and Shingo's my boy. But Osprey's on a tear. And, you know, I think it would be really interesting to have uh, to have a final where you have Will Osprey, Evil, Jay White. And uh, and Okada, but I can also see T- uh, Shingo Takagi in there as well. Absolutely, and I think El Fantasmo might have a pretty good showing here too, if not by point score, but by performances. Because I'm telling you, management is into this guy. They really like him, and they're ready to do something with him. Now, a lot of people were. Um, were, you know, I, I don't, I think I talked about it last week when we were talking about the field. We're kind of disappointed in, oh, well, there weren't, there aren't many outsiders in this one, my, my, not many guy Gene, where's Brian Danielson, so on and so forth. Um, or it's like, or even like, why is Yujiro in this again this year? You know, why is Yoshihashi in this again? Why is Bad Luck Folly in this? I'm like, well, someone has to eat the pins. 
Like here's the things. Like someone has to someone has to lose at some point. And sure, you know, Yujiro is the perennial loser and no one really gets into him anymore. You know, it's like you see Yujiro and you're like, okay, well, we know what's happening here. But still, you have to have these guys to do that. They can't all be, you know, top guys all the time. And especially in a four-block setup like like this, you're saving a lot of big matches for later right down down the line outside of the g1 like you're not going to spoil a shingo jeff cobb match here which could be a money match down the road right you're not going to spoil a uh let's say uh i don't know a tamatanga kenta match i don't know if that's something that people would really want to see but you know what i'm you know what i mean like you're not getting rid of potential main events for standalone shows by having this four four block mix up. So uh I'm excited to see how this goes. Tournament begins on July 16. I was checking while I was I wasn't quite sure if it was the 14 15 or something. It was this, July 16 uh all the way over to August 17 where we're going to have semifinals block A uh, for for all the blocks. And then the final match will be taking place on August 18th. And of course, the winner gets a uh, gets a shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 17. So that's where we're at right now in regards to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I want to say thank you to everyone who's live right now joining me right here. Uh, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving on. We're heading down the path to Forbidden Door. And we have to stop at AEW Dynamite. Before we get there, we're going to do our little review of uh, of uh, last night's Dynamite. Which I thought was all right. <laughs> it, was, you know, it was the go-home show and it, it felt very go-homey. And uh, again, you know, it's it's a show where... Dynamite is always this. It's a show where we get spoiled when it comes to wrestling, right? It we get spoiled when it comes to wrestling, but for the rest, it's it's just a little strange. It is just a little strange. So the sh- so Dynamite opens up with uh with Brian Danielson coming to the ring, the American Dragon, telling us this week is a great week to be a professional wrestling fan. And he says Zack Sabre Jr. was ready to prove that he was the best technical wrestler when he challenged Brian. Uh, Brian and we 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 were looking forward to that, and we're looking to for you know looking forward to blood and guts as well. So we're all excited as professional wrestling fans. But unfortunately, Brian Danielson is not cleared to compete. Uh, that was the the news that uh, that was delivered. Got it out of the way straight off the bat. Um, now, he continues, Danielson saying, you know, that he's, you know, Eddie Kingston says that he's a judgmental prick. And Danielson says, yes, it's, it's true because I have very, very high standards. So the person that I handpicked to replace me in the match against Zack Sabre Jr. is on the same level of high, is, is, a, is on the same level of high standards. He said he's found someone 
that is going to be astounding and it's going to be the best technical wrestling match we've ever seen. Zack Sabre Jr. is there. He comes out and they, you know, they jaw jack a little with each other from across the rings. So, of course, the question that we have here, the big question that is on everyone's lips and everyone is wondering, who is the mystery man? Chat, let me know. Who do you think is going to be this mystery person, right? Like Conrad from Everything Pro Wrestling who just joined us. How you doing, Conrad? Welcome. Why don't you let me know? Who is this mystery person? There's a lot of speculation going around. Now, here's the one thing. Buddy Peacock, my God. There's a... <clears throat> there's a... There's a a, 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 a thing here that we have to consider that Danielson didn't say himself, but commentary put this over later uh, later on in the evening is that whoever is is replacing Danielson is going to be joining the Blackpool Combat Club. Okay. They're putting this over as a surprise, right? Some and Daniel said, said someone that I have very high standards for. Tony Khan is he was on whatever busted open, I think, and he said, you know, it's like, um, or on Twitter, it could be just on Twitter. Tony's always on Twitter. Tony Khan is legitimately more on Twitter than I am. Um, he, he said that, um, yeah, he said essentially that, um, the, the mystery person, the mystery opponent could be just about anyone, but it's going to be a, it's going to be some, someone that will not disappoint. Okay. So now I've started seeing all sorts of speculation, right? I've seen a whole bunch of people. Swiss roll, Chris, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. And the one that's the one that's been thrown around the most, I think, or at least one of the two that's been thrown around the most, is Johnny Gargano, right? And people have been piecing together. Oh, he's gonna be in Chicago that day, you know, because he's doing signings. He's gonna be in Chicago. I'm like, all right. And if it was just a if it was just a um, a straight up match with, you know, Danielson calling in a favor, whatever, I'd be like, okay, I, I can, I could buy that. I, I could absolutely buy Johnny Gargano. But the affiliation thereafter of being in the in the Blackpool Combat Club, I don't think Gargano fits that aesthetic. Gargano's a he's a, you know he's a nerd, and I say that lovingly because I'm a nerd as well. He's a nerd. He's into comic books. He goes to Disney World with his wife. You know, uh, like, that's his thing. He's a family guy. He smiles a lot. He's a baby face. Like, he's a he's a good old-fashioned baby face. Unless they toughen him up. Unless it's like suddenly, you know, then he beca- he gets this edge to him. But uh, I don't think he fits the aesthetic. Chat seems to agree. The second name that's been tossed around quite a bit is the former Cesaro, Claudio. Personally, I think that's the one that makes the most 
sense. Because Cesaro fits that fits that aesthetic. We're going to call him Claudio. Let's dump the Cesaro bullshit. Claudio fits that aesthetic, right? He he's a uh, he's a he he's a fighter. He's a shooter. He's super strong. Uh, he can do just about anything. He's got that submission, that mad game down as well. Like he he feels BCC more than Johnny Gargano, absolutely more. Plus, on top of that, he is completely enamored with uh, he's completely enamored with the uh, with the uh, the viewing audience, right? Everyone loves Cesaro. The only person who never loved Cesaro was Vince McMahon. And that's the only reason why Cesaro never got as much love as he did in WWE. Because Vince didn't understand him. Vince didn't know how to put over a guy who could actually wrestle. Right? So, I'm not saying it's him. Not not saying that that's what we're going to go with. But he has he has the perfect profile where if he comes in crowd is going to explode it's going to roar you kidding me a chicago crowd on top of that the place is going to go ballistic it's going to be a huge revelation now does that mean cesaro suddenly gets signed um does does that mean cesaro gets signed maybe maybe not Maybe he does a you know a, a, a you know a, a per appearance deal. Maybe he just signs for a couple of dates. You know, maybe he carries the Blackpool Combat Club uh, a name outside of AEW doing whatever. Because right now, I think he's taking it easy. He's taking a break. Clearly, he's focusing on his coffee. Which, by the way, I've tried when he released his coffee. What was it? Two years ago at this point, eighteen months ago, something like that. Ooh, yeah. It was a it was a good blend. A good, rich, hearty blend, good espresso blend. So, so, so there's the thing, right? So, here's the so, so is is Cesaro the guy? I don't know, but it's the one that ticks all the boxes, right? The it it's a legitimate surprise that will make the fans really happy, and will. And fits into the BCC quote unquote lifestyle. I don't know who quoted that. Whoever said the whoever talked about the bull, the, the the Blackpool Combat Club lifestyle. I, uh, I saw other names get uh, get thrown around as well. I saw um, I saw, and I think someone in the chat mentioned it. Chris Chris Hero, right? I I think Chris Hero's done with wrestling. I think he's good. I don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to wrestle again. I don't think he has the I I you know, at some point I think he's just spent on it. And he's still uh, as far as I know, he still has heat with Eddie Kingston. As far as I know. Um so yeah, I don't think it's going to be Chris Hero. And Chris Hero I don't think really checks the box of being this is a big surprise that everyone will like. I think it'll pop a sizable amount of very knowledgeable fans, but I don't think it's going to be like, you know, the one, 
you know, Claudio has a, Claudio transcends a little more. I, you know, Chris Hero, you know, people are, uh, you mean the kish is unu? Okay, I told, I know this man, uh, kish is unu. Uh, he was the knockout artist in the, the NXT and he uh, would punch people with his elbow. Cassius Unu. <laughs> I mean, if we ever talk, I don't remember if we, if you and I ever had the talk of NXT changing people's names. Right? And then someone setting in, someone setting in for, to change Chris Hero's name to Cassius? Oh no. Uh, you see, it is because K and O, he is a knockout artist and the initials of his name are K and O. And I'm like, but Cassius and his, oh no. Oh no. Like, who gets that name over? You know, we, we talk about, you know, all the current NXT, you know, weird-ass names. Paxton Huxley, whatever her name is. But Cassius Ono started the trend of really bad NXT rebrandings. Oh no. Um, and then I saw like Tom Lawler, which to a degree also makes sense because on top of that, he's got, uh, uh, because it's Tatum Paxley. That's right. Tatum, what did I call it? Tatum Paxley. Manny Santos, nice to see you. Glad someone's paying attention <laughs> because it's NXT 2.0, which I, I look, I don't know if you heard, right? But you know, I, I, maybe you guys didn't realize this, but uh, y'all pay uh, y'all pay premium for my tip top NXT coverage. I didn't know if you guys knew this because I was accused this week of charging big bucks and not following the product. I'm like, brother, I don't listen to NXT 2.0 anymore. I, you know, when people point me to a match that you have to see, Warren, this was really good. Warren, this was really bad. You should check this out. I'll watch, but I don't. But this was the Hey, can you imagine you give money to this person's for their and they don't even watch the product? Like, I don't watch. I you know, first of all, who's I? No one pays me to do this. I get you know, uh, okay, you know, very appreciated occasional donations and super chats. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I'm not forcing. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, hey, dude, for all my exclusive NXT 2.0 notes, 14 bucks a month. Subscribe today. You know, the wrestling warns Berver <laughs> newsletter. I, did, I don't do that. The fuck? <laughs> yeah, no Way Jose is another good one. It's like... Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Tom Lawler is another good one that I heard. And also would make sense because, you know, he has that New Japan connection. But... Tom is, uh, t and Tom fits in the BCC aesthetic, uh, and he was sort of initiated 
by Mox at a Defy show a few months ago, but at but there's this does not this is not a primo surprise opponent. This is this is some this is not something that Tony Khan can say. This will not disappoint. No, this will disappoint. Not nothing against Tom. I love Tom Lawler, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the G1. But in, as far as the surprise element goes, this ain't it. You know, Davy Richards would also be a, a good candidate for the BCC, but again, not on that level of surprise at all. Again, would pop the nerds like me. I'd be like, holy shit, it's Davy Richards. But no. I, I don't think that makes sense. But those are those that I saw flying around. But I you know, I think I think Claudio is the one that makes uh I, Claudio is the one that checks the boxes. It's the big surprise and it's a hell of a match that you're going to get. It's a big stage. I think. I think everything. I think everything works. It's Nia J. Fuck you. <laughs> chat. Chat suddenly got real wild. Uh. After all of the okay, so we're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, uh, AEW Dynamite, as I enjoy more soda. Uh, we get a John Moxley pre-tape where he puts over the blood and guts match and his Tanahashi match. Then we move to our first match of the evening, six-man tag team match where Rapungi Vice, aka Rocky Romero, and Trent, alongside Orange Cassidy, defeated. The United Empire crew, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis of the Aussie Open team, and Will Ospreay in a fantastic match. And I will not hear anything about it. Just some fast, great action. Lots of focus, I don't know if you noticed, on uh, 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 um, uh, Orange Cassidy's athleticism. Uh, Not... Here's the thing, and we're going to, again, we're going to set some ground rules, and we're going to move from there, okay? Is, is, in AEW, is Orange Cassidy a comedy wrestler? Is he a comedy wrestler? When he gets in there, does some goofy nonsense, and he does the pockets thing, but then he wrestles, you know, he when he does the shin kicks, no one, no one sells the shin kicks. Everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? And outside of that, he just goes. He just goes. Now, I'm really, I believe sincerely that anyone who goes poo-poo Orange Cassidy comedy wrestler does not watch AEW, does not watch the product, does not even watch Orange Cassidy matches. Saw some gifts from a couple of years ago when he was one of these irony wrestlers out there when he was really doing the the, the off-the-wall shit. And, and, and now they have this imprinted in their brains that he's a comedy wrestler when in fact, he goes every time. And you gotta cut this shit out. So, 
What was the main criticism that came out when we saw Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay? Everyone was like, well, what the fuck? What is this? The comedy wrestler against Will Ospreay, what the hell? So what was this match designed to do? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys, girls, pals, non-binary pals. Who, who, who? What was this match for? If you think of the structure, if you go back and you think about what happened in this tag team, in this six-man, in this trios match, what happened? Orange Cassidy wrestled. He went hard on everything that he did. He, he did he did his fun spots. He did, you know, he did, he you know, he did the wind-up lariat going into the corner and all that. Like, he did it. But, uh, he's, uh... He did. He didn't uh, uh, at, at any moment start, you know, doing nonsense. He wrestled, and this match was designed to show that look, Orange Cassidy can go. In case you forgot, or if this is the first time that you decide to pay attention, he can go. And the interactions that he had with Will Ospreay were electric. They're like, okay, shit, these guys are gonna rock it. But you have to watch the match to pay it, to understand it. You have to actually pay attention. That pop-up stun dog millionaire. It's fantastic. Look, it's fantastic stuff. So, as so, that's what this match was for. And then we got to see like. Some great stuff from Aussie Open as well. Everyone ruled in this match. Davis and from Aussie Open, you know, grabbing Trent by the legs like a, a pop-up pile driver. That was nuts. Just great stuff. This was a very, 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 very good match. And it was the kind of match that was needed... Because because of the Brian Danielson news, right? Because that's sort of it's a bummer, right? That like the the news was a bummer, and you know we had a discussion about this in in in, in the Discord as this was happening. It's like odd choice to lead in with it, but where do you put this on your card? Like where do you put Brian Danielson coming out and delivering bad news, saying, "Hey, you know what?" I'm not gonna be. Uh, I'm not gonna be uh, be able to wrestle at uh, at uh, Forbidden Door. And you know what? On top of that, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna be able to do blood and guts either. That's a that's a kick in the stomach. So where do you put that on the card? It's bad news, regardless. I like how I like the idea of it being handled by uh, Danielson because he cut a great promo. His promo was great. His mic time was spectacular, but, and he comes, look, it was followed by a hot match, and it got the crowd back into it. That's all that counts. I think that's what, lead in, let's get the bad news out of the way, let's go with the hot match, get the crowd back into it. This worked, this connected. And if you're not a believer in in Zack Sabre Jr., excuse me, in Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay uh, being a great match, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you.
We get a pre-tape with uh, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satman Singh, and I couldn't care less about this anymore. Uh, apparently, Samoa Joe's hurt. Oh, strip him of the top. Like, I, I haven't cared about this for weeks. Christian Cage hits the ring to cut the heel promo to end all heel promos. He's pissed off. He's pissed off at Jungle Boy. Why? Why'd you do it? Well, because Jungle Boy eliminated him from a battle royal last year. He's pissed off about it. He was about to get a a, a massive boost and a fast track to a title shot. But no! Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy kept him from doing that, right? And then Christian Cage buries wrestling Twitter on top of that, which I appreciated. And he says, look, and he says, I joined Jungle Boy because money. I, he said, look, over the, then for the next few months, I'm like, I'm going to hitch my ride to this guy. I'll give him a pep talk or two before each match. But then eventually it's going to be about me. And this is where we're at. And I love this. He says, oh, y'all thought I came back to help the next generation. That's bullshit. I came back to make a boat ton of money. Old time listeners of the Mr. Warren Hayes show will know how much I appreciate this. Wrestlers, wrestlers being motivated by money. Why do you become a pro fighter, folks? Why do you think that anyone fights for a living? It's because of the money. Because they want to make big money. They want to they want to fight on big cards, fight big opponents because that means bigger cash, bigger payouts, bigger paydays. That's why. So, Christian Cage here entirely motivated by money. We don't like him because he just wants a payday and a bigger payday that he's been getting so far. I fucking love it. This is this is proper fantastic heel bullshit that I can get into. There's no thing about you fans never believed in me and now I'm going to prove you all wrong or it's a, in the back they all spoke bad about me or or the, you never tagged me in. I, it was always about you and never about me. No, it's like, now listen. I want to make more money. And there was no more money to make with you, Jungle Boy. The, the one time, Jungle Boy, that I don't give you a pre-match pep talk, you lose and you drop the titles. Well, this well is dried up. I sucked everything I could suck out of you. That kind of sounded weird. I took everything I could from hitching my ride to you. You're a bozo. And then there's the... You want to earn my paycheck, he says? You want to earn my paycheck? Try having a match that people talk about for more than a week. Try... Try getting a pay-per-view named after one of your matches. I loved it. I'm like, this is this is so incredible. This is such good, good shit. 
And then he says, now I have to get my hands dirty. And it pisses me off. Because then he's got to work for the money. And then they go back to, <coughs> then they go back to last week when Cage is telling Jungle Boy's mom that she raised a piece of shit. And then he says, you know, and he says that he thinks his mom is really mad because she was a little sweet on Christian Cage. She, you know, she wanted him to be Jungle Boy's dad. And then he says, Jungle Boy, I never wanted to be your father. You have a father, but your father's dead. And he'd be ashamed to see you crumbled at my feet. And I'm losing my mind. I'm like, oh my God, all of this is so good. And, and I'm watching this with Kristen, right? And Kristen and I, we don't always agree on how pro wrestling uh, is constructed and how it should go, right? And that, and of course, you don't necessarily have to agree with me either sitting here right now, you know, of course, I would expect you to agree. No, no I'm kidding. But <laughs> the point here, here's the, here's the thing. The point here is that you end up with uh, you end up with some good old fashioned heel heat, right? So when when the Jungle Boy Express music, right? Because it's Luchasaurus again. When when Jungle Boy's music hit, the pop was tremendous. This is how you made damn sure that Christian Cage was a heel. And a despicable one on top of that, that there's no turning back, that there's no ambivalence. Or it's like, well, no, no. Heel's job is to get the baby face over. So when, when the the when the music hit, the place exploded. They were ready for Jungle Boy, and I'm like, mission accomplished. There you go. That's what a heel does. Sets the table. So when Finally, the good guy comes out. People are out, pop, jumping out of their seats because they're like, yeah, come and kick his ass. He's talking shit about your mom and he's talking about your dead dad on top of that. Come and kick his ass. This is good. I, the part where we were, where Kristen and I did, you know, uh, sort of, uh, 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 where we split here, where the, where, as far as our appreciation of this promo, where Kristen was like, it, it went too far with the mother stuff and the dad. And I'm like, look, this is pro wrestling and everyone is working here. This is, it's all work. So essentially, you would touch wood and and say, everyone was okay with this. Everyone was okay that uh, Christian Cage started talking to, you know, started uh, making fun of a, a dead relative. Which, uh, which I kind of assumed would be okay. I don't, like, I don't think it's overstepped any boundaries, right? 
I, even with the mother stuff, right? Where he's going, oh, well, he could have been, you know. Even on that level, right? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at this from a wrestling perspective. You know, he didn't start to simulate, you know, sex acts or anything. He's just, he's being an asshole. He's being a dick. He's trying to just get under the skin of the baby face. And he's saying, yeah, your mom was probably sweet on me, brother. You know, the dead dad stuff, sure, pushes over the line. I thought it was really, really good. And Christian delivered it. Christian delivered a a world-class promo. Probably the best one of his career. And he's he's done some great stuff in Impact, don't get me wrong. But this was another level. This was real good. Tony told him, he's like, look, we got to sell this. You're a heel now. Christian was like, here we go. Pro! And going against, going against the feelings of the fans, you know, where they're like, oh, look at these vets coming back to work with the younger guys. <clears throat> and he's like, I'm not here to do this. I ain't here to work with the younger generation. Fuck them. I'm here to make money. Ah, oh. keep it simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, no trips to the psychologist, you know, in weeks of tape uh, promos and, you know, it's like, no way, you know, sitting around a, a dark fire and uh, jungle boy, I've tried to raise you. No, it's, it comes in, cuts one promo. Bazam. Fantastic stuff. Just some great, great heel work. Hey, get your podcast. Nice to see you. Welcome. Luchasaurus comes out. After once Christian Cage starts talking shit about Jungle Boy's father. He starts choking. Um, he starts choking uh, uh, Christian. But Christian, of course, does the most natural thing in the world. And instead of trying to fight out of it, or he puts the microphone. He's getting choked and he's holding uh, Luchasaurus's one arm. And with the other arm, he's talking into the microphone. <laughs> and and he and basically he said, he says, we need to talk. You're like a son to me. You know, we can't do this. We need to talk. But in private, remember what happened to Marco. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. Just hit all the spots. But, 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 but. Workers are going to work. I loved it. I loved every... This was perfect. Perfect heel turn promo. We get a pre-tape of the Young Bucks and Kyle O'Reilly backstage. Getting hyped for their match at uh, Forbidden Door. Then we get the uh, all at the final AEW All Atlantic title qualifying match where Malachi Black defeated Penta Oscuro. I thought this was a solid match, very good. Um, not much more to say about it. There was you know some good stuff, all very solid. Nothing you know nothing out of uh, out of the ordinary, but just very good. You know we got a moonsault front to the floor by Malachi Black. Um, we got a, a, an avalanche fear factor by Penta, not to be neglected, but the black mass puts, uh, Penta away on this one. No surprise because, uh, since Pac won his match, well, you're not going to have stable mates fight each other, are you? 
We'll talk about the Forbidden Door match soon, I promise. We get Wardlow in a pre-tape, which is good, I think. Which is good because last week, as you may recall, with the 20-on-1 dweeb elimination match, I thought that was the I thought that was the first um, misstep. I thought that that was the first misstep in the uh, uh, in the whole. Um, I thought it was the first misstep in the whole Wardlow push to this point, right? Um, I think that um, I think that we we got to a moment where. Well, the the whole the, the the whole thing, right? It it didn't connect. So I think this week you have Wardlow show up on TV, but not have anything, not have him do anything. I think it's smart. Besides, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be put forward for the pay per view. You know that's fine, and just let Wardlow breathe for for a week. Just let it like. Oh, and we also got, I forgot to mention, we got a Miro promo as well after the, uh, after the Malachi Black, uh, after the, Mal- the Malachi Black Pinto Scuro match, which kind of was uh, fantastic because I really missed Miro cutting those super intense promos. I, I, has he been, has he been uh, taking, uh, 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 he's probably been taking acting lessons is what I'm trying to say here. Because his he's been very very on point with his delivery and his look and it's just fantastic, just fantastic stuff. Um, Adam Page defeated Silas Young, uh, Ring of Honor stalwart. Look, I like St- Silas Young. Uh, I think he's a great no nonsense wrestler. Uh, you know, right up my you know right up my alley, but. Look, I'm sorry. Even I was kind of a little put off by this. I'm like, what the? I, I'm all for page wrestling and just going hard. That's fine. But I'm kind of like, I, 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 even I was a little put off by this. I'm like, what are we doing? What? It's just like completely out of nowhere. And yes, I know he's from Milwaukee again. Like I understand all the connections. Don't get me wrong. I understand all the the, the connections. Uh, and it's just I. It, it was a little off-putting. It uh, it took me it took me out of it a little bit. I'm like, okay, uh, a little too random. Like they had the Dave Finley, which to a degree had the look. Don't get me wrong. I I understand the connection. I just because I understand the connections, just because I I, I don't necessarily like something, doesn't mean that I don't understand why they did it. But even to me, I was like, okay, this is. A little wild here. I get it. Just didn't didn't work for me. Anyway, this Silas Young had a great showing. Like he was true to himself. Good, strong stuff. Snap suplex. That assisted spinning neck breaker, which looks fantastic. Superplex. But uh, Adam Page hit a sack of shit. Pescado. Buckshot lariat. There you go. We've got our boy. uh, We've got our boy Adam Page. uh, All done. We're good. After the match, Adam Page tries to cut a promo. He gets cut off by Jay White, who comes out. Uh, not, not, excuse me. Gets cut off by uh, 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 Adam Cole, uh, who then in turn gets 
cut off by Jay White, who says that, you know, he he it can't be Adam Cole that I face at Forbidden Door because Adam, you lost to Adam Page twice, which was a great delivery as well. And then as he's walking to the ring, he's telling Page that it's not going to be him either. White and Page come to blows. Cole comes in, lows blow, low blows Adam Page. White gets some ground and pound in. Cole picks up the belt. Seems to want to knock to knock out White with it. I was like, look, oh, oh, oh. it's tense. They double team uh, Adam Page until the coin drop hits and Kazuchika Okada comes out to an enormous reaction from the audience. Of course, you know, no one knows who Kazuchika Okada is. I don't know if you've heard, right? That's that's the problem. It's like, who is, you know, yeah, you need to you need to get 6 weeks of uh of 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 preview videos to make sure everyone understands who this guy is like, you know, this nonsense. Well, we don't know who this guy is. They under underestimating fans here. It's a little much. And besides, besides, you have JR putting them over. You know, one of the rare times that JR just spontaneously is going to say really, really incredibly nice things about a wrestler. Just out of the, out of nowhere like that. No, it's like, yeah. So Okada comes in. Uh, um, Okada comes in. Um, and, uh, he basically saves the day for Adam Page, where he take, they take out the heel. I think the, I think the idea, I, I, I think the, 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 I think there was a little miscommunication with the, with the post-match beatdown. You know, I kind of felt that there was some, uh, I, I felt there was some problems with positioning, maybe. You know, kind of like guys were setting themselves up and but look, it didn't quite it didn't quite work out. But um Kazushi Okada is gonna be at Forbidden Door again. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that. All about that. Uh then we get well, then it's the women's quarter hour. And then we get a pre-tape with Jade and Kira Hogan and Stokely, which was fun. And then we get a pre- another pre-tape with uh, Statlander and Athena, and, uh, and 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 that was really really fun too. Um, and uh, uh, that was a lot of fun actually. I thought a lot of personality coming out there from from uh, Statlander and Athena. I thought that was really good. Then that led us into the women's match of the night: Tony Storm defeating. Marina Shafir, I thought this was a fine match. I thought, you know, that you know, Marina Shafir looked much better than she has on uh on either her either of her Rampage or Dynamite showings. Um I enjoyed how she and Tony worked together. Uh and she got some great throws in on Tony Storm as well. Uh and uh shotgun drop kick as well by Tony Storm. Uh, Storm goes to the floor. Nyla Rose is there accompanying Marina Shafir. And I, I kind of, I dig that pairing. I think it's fun. Nyla Rose hits a senton. Shafir works the arm, hits a German suplex. Tony Storm comes back with a headbutt. Um, and then uh, and then a swinging DDT on the floor as well. Uh, we get the hip attack in the ring, a German. And Tony Storm rolls out of a pump handle 
that Marina Shafir was setting up right into a very deep cover and got the win. So that was really cool after the match. Shafir and uh Shafir and Nyla attack Tony Storm, but Rosa comes in for the win as well. They work together to take out Nyla. I thought that was this was uh this was good. I I you know, so overall a pretty good setup to everything and you know clearly Rosa and and uh Storm are doing the you know, we respect each other setup moving into all of this. Um, that's, you know, that's what they, that's what they've been doing for the past couple of weeks. Rosa and Tony Storm don't like the same people. They respect each other enough to look out for each other, but you know, we, you know, we'll see how far this respect carries into the, into the main event. So look, the match itself is going to be, it should be very good. Again, I'll talk about that in a little bit because right, yeah, no, because, um, I look. I, look again. Longtime listeners will know. Uh, you, I've, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a defender. I am a proponent, all a, a loudspeaker for women's wrestling. Um, and week after week, I'm, you know, I'm extremely disappointed, and well, and not just AEW. I don't think either of the major promotions. I don't think either of them, the, of the two nation, national uh, televised promotions, I don't think they, I don't think they do a good job with their, with their women's divisions. I really don't. Neither of them. Uh, I, I think maybe look, WWE maybe I would say uh, is capable of placing more emphasis on certain of their stars, of their women's stars. They know what they have. Um, I think, you know, it, they spread it around a little bit, but neither really do a good job. Neither really do a good job. I don't think there is, there, there is any form of, of, I don't think there is equality right now. Uh, and I think in some circumstances we're regressing. I don't think it, I don't think either promotion is really doing all that great. Uh, and because there's one argument that I I can't stand anymore and it's the, Quality versus quantity thing, you know, which resurfaced not that long ago when, uh, what was it, um, when it was, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, 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 NXT 2.0, you know, they, they had this, this evening where they had like, I did like 26 women's matches, I'm, I'm exaggerating, you know, but they made a big to-do out of it, look at all the women's matches that we're covering with And then, and, and then on the other side, you'll have a lot of AEW people are going to say, well, there's only one match, but, you know, it's always a quality match. And no, it's not always a quality match, first and foremost. And and just having one match a week is not making any case for your women's division. I have said this from the start, from the get-go, from the minute AEW started talking about having the best women's division in the world. So the only way they are going to make this work is if they give the division time, and they put it on their prime slots and they make people care about it. If it's promoted that way, if their women are promoted that way, then it will come off as important, which is what they started to do with Brit. And Brit feels important. Feels important to the to the point where, uh, you know, she was she she was still showcased more than their current champion. But, you know, that's an argument I made a couple of weeks ago. I don't necessarily want to retread that. 
Um, if there, if all you do week after week is stuff, everything that has to do with the women within one quarter hour, you're essentially saying, well, this is it. This is, this is the Island of women and everything that happens outside is, you know, it, it, it just happens here. We don't need to say anything else throughout the show because it'll just happen here. And it sucks. Because maybe there was a time you could make an argument to say, well, AEW, their women's division uh, is a little light. Maybe doesn't have, you know, all the, the TV ready, TV experienced women or the high quality. You can't have that argument anymore. Not with the recent hires. Not with the people they have on, you know, outside of Brit, which is someone that they developed, right? That they started down one path and pivoted into the heel stuff that absolutely transformed her into a superstar. You've got Thunder Rosa, who is your champion right now. You have Tony Storm. You have Ruby Soho. You have Jamie Hayter. You have uh, 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 who, uh, who am I? Uh, Mercedes Martinez. You have Serena Deeb. Like the division, uh, Chris Statlander, and you still have Riho hanging in the uh, hanging uh, in the background. We've got Hikaru Shida whenever she comes back. Like there is nothing. Uh, Nyla Rose. What am I even talking about? Nyla Rose is in there as well. The division is too talented to be condensed into two blocks of seven-minute matches. Per week, like one on Rampage and one on Dynamite. And the YouTube stuff doesn't count. It really doesn't. It, trust me, it does not. Because if it if it, if the YouTube stuff did count, then where are all the big stars? On why are why aren't they on uh, on Dark? Why aren't they on Elevation anymore? Because there was a time it was like that. Right, that Joey Janela Kenny Omega ladder match—that's where it happened, and it was ex- it was excellent. I remember seeing John Moxley on Dark. If it was such a big deal, if 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 the if the YouTube shows were so important, are still a thing that you should be watching. Where are the top people? Why isn't Malachi Black on there week after week? For instance, he's a you know Miro. Um, Brian Danielson, uh, uh, why has CM Punk ever been on Dark? That's the problem. Don't get, don't let perception get into the way of reality, right? Oh, the wrong, but you can book the women on 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 the on these shows, uh, on the YouTube shows. That's why you know you. Yes, but you're not treating them like the stars that you... Dynamite is the show. It's the flagship. It's the mother law. It's the mothership. That's the one that Tony Khan wants you to watch. That's the one where his big stars are supposed to be on. It's just that it's really just that as simple as that. There is no real... There's no real push for the women in AEW. And it's it's a little 
it's a little inconsequential to then pat them on the back and say, oh, what a great match, what a fantastic... Of course they should be having fantastic matches. Like, that's a... Because they have fantastic talent. I'm like, yeah, of course. Why am I going to tap... Why am I going to pat AEW on the back for booking one match on a show that was really good when all around we get really good matches on Dynamite? I'm like, sure, this is what... this This is what it should be. There should be more, is the point. There should be more equality. Because the minute we start talking about, oh, well, at least we had a really good match, or, you know, at least on this side, you know, the, there's more uh, uh, there's more bell-to-bell times so on. So you're lowering the argument. You're bringing, you're, you're, you're lowering the bar of the argument where it's like, well, we'll be content with whatever we get more than the scraps we already have. Can't be content with one match. Oh, but it was a humdinger. But it was still one match. Oh, we got three matches over on this side. Yeah, but two of them stunk. You see what I'm getting at? The question is equality. And then the, the, that's all it is. It's always been about equality. It hasn't been anything. And then... When you get the question of, oh, well, then who do you stop pushing then? It wouldn't be a, this would not be a question that would be, that that needs to be asked as if the women are going to come take up spots for the men. Because if you're pushing your good wrestlers, you're putting them in compelling stories, having them fight compelling matches, no one's going to be like, oh, well, they're pushing her instead of him. They're just going to be like, this is great. Because ultimately, that's all we want. We want great wrestling. And AEW has the women. WWE has the women. But they have to stop treating them like second-class citizens. Had a little bit off track there. And we got to the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi and John Moxley defeated Chris Jericho and Lance Archer. They did a can they coexist. But at least they won and they didn't argue throughout the match, right? This is the... Here's the thing. Like the problem with the can they coexist thing with WWE is that they did that like every other month, right? It's like it was always... It was a recurring theme and it was a joke at some point, right? It was like, okay, this is ridiculous. But within the match... Then the the teammates would be like, well, I don't like you, so I'm not going to tag you in, or I'm going to tag myself in because I don't like you. He was like, Moxley and Tanahashi were like, no, look, tonight is business. And Moxley said it in his his promo earlier in the evening. Tonight is business. We got to go out there and beat these guys up and, you know, win to get a paycheck. That's all. And it works. And they won. And they won. And there was no uh, shenanigans, right? It's a physical match. Uh, Lance Archer did a senton off the apron. Tanahashi got the hot tag. Hits the aces high at some point, but he, uh, on Jericho, but Jericho rolls through it into the walls of Jericho, which was great. Mox bro- broke it up with a cutter. Uh, and then um, um, Tanahashi hits a sling blade. High fly flow, gets the win. 
And then we get the post-match brawl, which was, wasn't that the longest thing? I'm convinced, you know, as much as AEW has a, a tendency to be, 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 uh, to, to, to run long on time, right? And they have to speed up some things. Like, we you know, they have timing issues. Things feel rushed because they're trying to make time, so on and so forth. Last night felt like they were running, uh, like they were running short. Because that, that beating, that beat down at the end should not have lasted half as long as it did. Especially with John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi standing in the ring, staring at each other for like what felt like 10 minutes. It probably wasn't. It was probably like a good, but a good solid minute, maybe minute 15, like something way too long. Because they were like, I thought, and they ran out of stuff to say to each other. So you have everyone fighting around the ring. And at some point, I was like, I think Tony Khan was just sending dudes out. I was like, hey, you guys go. Yeah, we, we need more bodies out there. Like, I mean, everyone who was fighting around the ring connected because they all had things to, they had all, they all had things to fight for at Forbidden Door kind of thing. But it was hilarious just how many people were out there. I was I was bawling, especially seeing Mox. It it was it was really like you know the Roman emperors while Rome is burning all around them. <laughs> oh, bit of an awkward finish. Look, I, per usual, wrestling solid on Dynamite, and I think you know the stuff around it was a little a little hit and miss. Some good surprises, some good stuff. Which all leads us into Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door. Let's talk about Forbidden Door. Now, I am going to argue with you. I'm going to, no, not argue with you. That's it. I'm going to uh, 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 propose the following. I'm going to say that I I think I am going to deliver probably the most balanced Forbidden Door take that you're going to get going into this pay-per-view. Because I, I, I feel like it's, ex, it's extremely polarizing. But I, 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 think, I think I'm going to go as... I, I think this is going to be the most balanced perception of Forbidden Door moving forward. Now... I think the main talking point for this pay-per-view is how how much people are disappointed in the card. Should you be disappointed in the Forbidden Door card as it stands, as it all came together over the past couple of weeks? I would say, yes, you are absolutely entitled to be disappointed. I think it's a fair, I think it's fair to be disappointed in the final makeup of this pay-per-view because look when this show was announced everything popped into our heads all the stars all the potential dream matches they all came raining down upon us 
And this is a far cry from that. This is a far, far, far cry from, oh, well, uh, from, you know, CM Punk versus Tanahashi or John Moxley versus Kazuchika Okada and uh, fucking uh, Brian Danielson versus, or Brian Daniel look, Brian Danielson versus Okada, John Moxley versus Tetsuya Naito. Like, we're, we're not even in those waters. So, yes, I think it's absolutely fair to be disappointed in the card. Of course, injuries through the biggest monkey wrench in all of these plans, right? CM Punk, I think, being the the real, you know, the real stab to the heart. Brian Danielson, I think, is a big one. Kenny, Kenny Omega not being there, right? Uh, I think, um, uh, you know, to a degree, Tetsuya Naito, because he recently had uh, eye uh, eye surgery, right? For, um, I can't remember, detached retina or something. So he's probably like, they're probably like, no, we want to keep you around for the G1 because he was injured throughout the G1 last year. And he's like, yeah, you know, that's fair. Yeah. You cannot not factor that in to the card that we are getting uh, this weekend. Now, one of the reasons I think people instantly got super pumped for Forbidden Door and sold out the arena without a single match being announced is because Tony Khan slash AEW has been very, very good in promising promising big and delivering big and i think like that's a i think we're we're in a position here which is uh aw being victim of its own success in that regard right if that if that makes sense because every time aw said we're gonna bring something big we're gonna bring something big they brought something big so if Tony Khan, the bringer of big things, says we're bringing a big show, AEW New Japan, everyone loses their shit. Yeah, well, it's not quite delivering on that level. And it's unrealistic to think that every time Tony Khan says we've got a big surprise, that every time it is going to be indeed a big surprise. Um, you know, I think, I think we, I think we sort of felt it a couple of weeks ago. Now he didn't say it was a big surprise. He didn't say it was going to, but you know, when, when we had the mystery Joker opponent for Samoa Joe in the, uh, in the Owen tournament, like every time there was a surprise, right? Every time there was a surprise, we're like, oh shit, it's something great. And you, you get to the, oh, and you're like, oh shit, who's the surprise going to be? And you're like, it's John Morrison? Okay. You know, it, like not, not overly exciting. But a surprise, but you're like, eh. so this is kind of it. But I think on a different level, I think this is one where we were expecting big dream matches and it's this is not what we're getting 
And to a degree, this feels a lot like a Japanese card, a Japan card, right? A Japanese pro wrestling card. New Japan. Christ. A New Japan card. More than anything else. Multiple, multiple man matches. And a smattering of singles, right? There's only two, there's only two singles matches on this card, which is not to my liking. I, I have trouble getting behind that. Because ultimately, and you know, look, Lance in the chat sort of said it, but I'm going to put it another way. You know, this is a card which is going to be, this is going to be a great show. This cannot not be a great show. Too much talent, too many people that want that have stuff to prove. This is going to be great. But the card lacks for better for lack of a better expression, it lacks sex appeal, right? It lacks that thing that makes you go, ooh la la. You know, Moxley Tanahashi, it's a big time match, right? And there is history behind this. Moxley has legitimately been trying to get to Tanahashi for uh, ever since he left WWE and started working Japan. He's been, this is what he's been angling for, right? It's a big time match. And if you're going to, if you're going to go big time, you know, and at least try to try to deliver on one thing, it should be on a big match. I think this is the big match, right? It's as big as you can get. I still think the money match was CM Punk versus Okada. And I'm very disappointed because here's the thing. If you remember when I was talking about, when we were talking about the potential of this and so on, one thing that got me excited was the politics of it, right? Those of you who listen know what I'm talking about. The politics, right? Getting getting their hands dirty, you know, and, and you know, ghetto, uh, uh, you know, imagining ghetto and, and, and Tony Khan sitting in front of each other at a dimly light table, you know, and they're negotiating and, well... I'll give you this if you give me that. Oh, I give you this if you give me that. I give you this. You know, it's like the politics of this was something that I was dying for. And I don't think I think the everyone took the easiest route here politics wise. I don't think there's anything really, you know, challenging here. You know, cuz we had the scenario, right? Remember when I was talking about the scenarios and I was saying, "Look, imagine if Okada and CM Punk come in and they're both strapped. They both have the belts, right? Who do you put over in this match? Who wins? You know, Ghetto says, well, no, your guy's going over. Your guy's uh, putting my guy over. And it's like, back and forth. And it gets complicated because it's the top guy in the company. He has the belts and I'm like, but this is the kind of shit that you get, ex- that I get excited about, right? That I'm like, oh, and he said, bringing in the big dudes. But here, everything feels safe. Everything feels safe. And it doesn't, it doesn't get, it's not getting my blood pumping as much as I thought it would. It, it really doesn't. AEW Interim World Championship, John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Big T, nice to see you, by the way. Welcome to the chat. And hello again, Kristen. 
Um, the, uh, the, uh, 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 the, the John Moxley, Hiroshi Tanahashi main event. That's, that is the, that's the main event. It works. And I think it feels like a big time match. And it's going to be a big time match. I'm excited for it. It's for the interim, uh, world championship. Now, of the safe bet is John Moxley. But the galaxy brain in me wants Hiroshi Tanahashi to get the strap and hit the bricks back to Japan and do the G1 parading around with the AEW World Championship. I want CM Punk to come back and be like, I'm bringing my championship home. I don't want another pretender champion over on the other side of the world. Then we get the match. See, that would be the most compelling ending. I don't think it's going to be that. Because right now, if I'm Tony Khan and I'm looking at all the injuries, the, the injuries that are happening right and left, I'm like, no, no, I'm playing safe. And I'm negotiating hard with Gato and I'm like, no, Gato, it's my guy. I'll give you this, 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 and this on the card, but it's my guy who wins the title. I think Mox wins. Chat, let's let me know on top of that who you think is going to win all of these matches. But I think the I think the most interesting I think the most interesting win is Tanahashi. I think it's the most interesting win. But it's going to be Mox. Then we have the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Jay White is going to be facing Adam Page, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole in a four-way match. And I can't stand this. This is... This is... This, this bugs me to the highest degree. And I don't know how... I don't know how this wasn't split up into anything else. Into a tag team match? Or why we didn't get two separate matches? Give it. Why not give us, why not go Adam Cole versus Jay White? Here's what I don't understand. Adam Cole, Jay White, they're all bullet club for life. And right now there is a bullet club. Uh, uh, um, uh, there, there, there's still the bullet club civil war thing going on. And that from everything I've been ask, uh, hearing about, excuse me, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be pushing that storyline further into the G1. And we were told that there was going to be ramifications in North America as well. Have, have Jay White and Adam Cole fight for the belt and have Jay White go over Adam Cole. Adam Cole is one of the top guys in the company. It's not a big deal. And they're Bullet Club and it's a problem and so on and so forth. And then give us Kazuchika Okada and Adam Page. Which would have been a dynamite match. No pun intended. And who cares who wins or loses in this match? Like, it doesn't matter. Adam Page is not going to look like a chump for losing to one of the biggest stars in the world. One of the one of the all-timers as far as wrestling goes. And Kazushiko Okada losing to Adam Page is like, pff, no big deal. No big deal. 
It's gonna hurt Kazuchika Okada to lose to Adam Page. Give me a break. How can how can you how can you hurt Kazuchika Okada? Why couldn't we that see this is where I'm telling you there was where there's an easy they took an easy way out in this on this card by doing these multi-man matches and multi-man matches for the for a championship in New Japan just does not happen especially for the top prize for the heavyweight championship it just they just don't do it this match feels like a cop out All Atlantic Championship match. Malachi Black versus Pac versus Miro versus Clark Connors, as we said earlier, who's replacing Tommy Tomohiro Ishii, who got injured. I mean, good for Clark Connors. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. This is going to be... This is unquestionably the biggest match of his career so far. This is unquestionably the biggest match of his career. And this match is going to rule. This match is going to rule. Black, Pack, Miro, just fantastic stuff. And Connors, if, if, if you don't... Look, Connors... He's still fresh out of the dojo. He's finding his sea legs with his, you know, his in-ring persona. And I think he's getting, he's a, he's a power guy. He's going to fit into all of this. It makes a lot of sense. It sucks that Ishii's not in it. Ishii is very much over with the North American crowd. He would have got a huge reaction. Clark Connors is going to be, he's going to have to win the audience over here. He's going to be nervous as hell. Are you kidding me? Big time opportunity for him. To me, and I see in the chat, a lot of people are very pro-Miro, right? Oh, Miro takes this, Miro takes this. And I'm like, sure. But frankly, this could go... I think Clark Connors is the outlier here. And I I don't think Clark is... Clark's taking the pin, to be honest, in this one. You could strap any of these guys, and it makes sense. You could you could strap any, any, any three of these guys. Black, Pac... Miro, Pack. It's not Pack anymore. It's Pack. Any one of these three. But if you, you know, if you put a gun to my head and you're like, hey, Warren Hayes, you need to pick or else I'll shoot you in the brains. I'm like, wow. I don't think, I don't think Miro is going to win because I think right now with all the injuries that are going around Miro feels like a top guy that they could push up against Moxley look you could make the same case for Packer Malachi Black I honestly don't know it could go anyway it can go anyway but whoever is not winning here is probably going to get get the little get the little boost you know up into the the upper card 
to go challenge John Moxley, I think. Then we're going to get the AEW Women's World Championship match. Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm on this one. I'm excited for this match. I'm excited. Oh, there, there's three singles matches. I apologize. I said there was two earlier. There's three. Uh, Rosa and Storm. I'm excited for this. These are two amazing athletes who have both spent time in Japan. These are both excellent workers. I think this is going to mesh well together and we're in for a treat. I think Thunder Rosa retains. But we're going to have a good time in the meantime. Winner takes all IWGP World Tag Team Championship match. Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship match. FTR, your Ring of Honor champions, versus... Jeff Cobb and Great O'Connor of the United Empire, your IWGP World Tag Team Champions, versus Rapongi Vice. Of course, made up of uh, Rocky Romero and Trent. Um, not crazy about the 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 triple threat status here, the the three way, the whatever you want to call it. I'm uh, kind of bugs me. You know, unless you, you do this, but do like, I don't know, like tornado tag or something like that. Like just get some bodies flying around. We'll see how things go. But I'm, look, I'm doing prayer hands, chat, prayer hands up in the chat, prayer hands up. FTR, man. FTR. Uh, they, Look, hey, El Gato Pollo Loco in the chat. How yeah, nice to see you. Took the words right out of my mouth. They're too hot right now. They're just too hot. They're just too hot to not do it. Right? You saw the reaction that they got at Dynamite again yesterday. The Ring of Honor titles, the Triple R titles. They get this on top of that. And... Why not just go straight for the Bucks when you get home and just win the whole... Just belt them all. FTR are on a roll. 2022 is their year as far as as far as far tag team competition goes. It's just been too hot. Way too hot. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this because FTR is going to win... Roof is going to blow off the place. And you know what? This match is going to fucking rule. And I am so excited for all the haters and all the doubters to see Great Ocon spread his magic. There's a lot of people have this really weird misconception about Great Ocon. And I was a skeptic at first. He won me over. Versus Rapungi Vice. And, but technically, if you ask me, this is another easy way out match because it really could have been just been FTR and the United Empire guys but you know guess what Rapongi Vice are there to eat the pin so that neither of the other teams look look weak it, it, another easy way out here the IWGP United States Championship is going to be on the line Will Ospreay current champion without the belt Held hostage by Rockhard Juice Robinson. 
versus Orange Cassidy. I think the match, right? The rumor is that the match was supposed to be Osprey versus Andrade, but then Mexican uh, wrestling politics got involved and shut that down, which is a bummer. But I don't even see this as a consolation prize. I don't even see this as a, well, at least, you know, we get, you know, this has the potential to be match of the night. This really has the potential to be the match of the night. Will Ospreay right now is, well, look, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world and he is having an extraordinary 2022. There's no other two ways to put it. Every match he's had has been great to excellent. He's just been hitting every note. Orange Cassidy here, he's going to turn up. And I'm convinced these guys are going to put on a hell of a show. And I think this is the show stealer. This is the match that everyone is going to look back on and say, yeah, nothing tops this. This is going to rule. I think Will Ospreay retains, but it's going to be a blast. Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara versus Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. Okay. Like, I, I get the connections. Don't get me wrong. I understand how this match came together. I understand the connections. I just think it's weird as hell. I, I Like, did we... Look, no disrespect. Did we need Sammy on the card? Did we need Shota Umino on the card? Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston. But look, John Moxley's other son is on the card, so that you know that's good. Sammy is Sammy, I guess that's fine. You get a payday, Sammy. But you know this this match is shoehorned to get people on the card. This is how it feels like, and it's like New Japan cards where you have. You know, the, the the trios matches, the six-man matches to open up the shows and so on and so forth. And you're like, why are all of these people together? Well, there you go. We have Zack Sabre Jr. taking on the newest member of the Blackpool Combat Club. I talked about that extensively earlier. Um, and if it is as big a surprise as Tony Khan is letting on, then this will very likely be the winner of the match. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of overshadowing. Uh, I think it's kind of overshadowing Zack Sabre Jr. A little bit. Cause a lot of people in North America, maybe are not familiar with his work and they would be very deserving to get to know his work. Um, I think this whole surprise guy is sort of overshadowing that, but maybe once we get down to the nitty gritty and we start, this match will be as good as the second as Saber's opponent. And then we have the Bullet Club team of the Young Bucks, El Fantasmo, and Hikaleo. What the fuck? Versus dudes with attitudes. Sting, Darby Allen, Shingo Takagi, and Hiromu Takahashi. Which rules? Look, Shingo was happy. He tweeted that he was happy about the match. Good for him. 
Because he was like, yeah, I get, to, I get to fight the Young Bucks. That's what I wanted. Me and Hiromu. There's no reason for this to suck. I I don't know what... Hic- like, you know, Hikaleo is the odd man out here. He's really the odd man out in this situation. The Jacksons, El Fantasmo, fantastic workers. Hiromu as well. Shingo, Darby. Sting has the presence, but... Hikaleo, man. I see. That's it. Feels like a little. Feels a little shoehorned as well. And then we have the pre the 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 buy-in. The Gun Club and Max Caster taking on the DKC Kevin Knight, uh, Alex Coughlin and Yuya Yumera. Look. For me, the Gun Club and the Acclaim, it ain't doing it for me. It ain't doing it for me. I know I know. a lot of people think it's the greatest thing in the world and the scissoring shit and all that. And people are like, yeah, this is great. And the raps and all that. It's that's it's a little too sports entertainy for my tastes. I, I, it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't connect at all. Plus, on top of that, like, on top of that, like... I want y'all to know something here. You know, Austin Gunn, uh, the minute the Fed comes calling, he's hitting the bricks. That kid is, he's hes made for WWE. He's, he's, that's what he, he's waiting for the big call. For sure. They'll love him. They'll take good care of him. You know who I would... Here's what I would have done. Why wouldn't you have put... Why wouldn't you have put Hook with a with a dojo guy? Right? Uh, why wouldn't you have put Hook against one of the young lions, right? Still in the black trunks and little booties, right? Have him, uh, have him plow through him. Wardlow. That's a that's a fun little pre-show right there. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I would have enjoyed this more than what we're ending up getting here. The But I get it. Like, the gun club are over with the, the, the acclaim. They're over. You know, they're making people laugh. I think it's pretty entertaining. But I think Wardlow is much more fun to watch. Hook is much more fun to watch. Have them come up. No Hook and Danhausen on this on this card. That's kind of weird to me. A little weird. And there's another match, and I'm legitimately going to ask you, chat. There's another match for the buy-in that hasn't been announced. It's going to be announced on Rampage, though. But I'm aware of the spoiler. Would you like me... Would you like me to tell you what that match is? Would you like me to tell you what that match is? Otherwise, if you don't want to be spoiled, I'll move on. We're getting yeses. I'm going to drop it. We're getting Keith Lee and Swerve... Versus 
Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and El Desperado. Which I'm kind of excited for. Kanemaru and Desperado, just a couple of scumbags. I love them. Keith Lee and Swerve. They're probably going to push the the the, the storyline where Swerve and Keith Lee are sort of, uh, you know, on uneven, uneasy footing here. I w- I'd see Kanemaru and Desperado getting the win over the guys, over the AEW guys, because Swerve is being a dick. <laughs> I think so. So that, that's for that's the pre-show. So <clears throat> the thing here is that I look at all the people on this card. I see all the talent. I see everyone. Is, this is going to be a great show. But I get anyone who's disappointed. Anyone who's like, this isn't well, what I was expecting. You're absolutely right. As I said, it lacks forbidden door lacks sex appeal now if they want to do this again next year first of all it has to be a success right it has to be a success on pay-per-view which i think i think it's going to do very well i think it's going to do well i was at first i was like you know what this is probably gonna bust through the two hundred thousand buy mark but i don't think so anymore i don't think it's i don't think it's going to draw in enough I don't think it's going to draw in enough people to buy it and watch it. I don't think so. I think there's going, but it's going to be in the upper range. It's going to be in the upper, it's going to be lower than than 200K. Let's say, if I'm conservative, I'm going to say 140,000 buys. And if I'm, Bullish, I'm going to be like 160. How about that? 140 to... My 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 ceiling is 160. If it does better than that, then good... For, but like the card... The card lacks a lot of oomph to attract the, the pay-per-view buyers, which was always my contention. I was like, look, the, 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 the card is... The, the show sold out. All they have to do now is ramp up the card so that people will spend the 50 60 dollars whatever it is um to to pay for it uh, you know go right ahead i don't think i don't think they did it like you know the the, the hardcore AEW crowd is going to buy it there's going to be people in japan but i think that's a di- that's a separate deal because i think the pay-per-view buys are going to be like for japan is a whole other thing it's it's being handled on new japan world if i'm not mistaken so that's a that's a I, I I like you know I'd assume that's that's New Japan's money on their end and AEW here. But if they do this again, because Tony Khan said he'd like to do this uh, every year, next year people are going to be naturally uh they're going to be naturally uh, uh hesitant to to do a blind buy. I would say. I think there's going to be a little it might not sell out as quickly so if they do it again next year now we have to avoid the easy way out matches now we got to sit down and be like look we're getting our top singles guys into one-on-one matches and and 
Tony and Gato have to negotiate and they have to be they have to be bastards with each other and we need the politics. Before we wrap everything up, we're going to do a a, a a a bit of a short but sweet and also de- delicious little news segment here. So uh, let's do the the new jingle. Um, mostly we're going to talk about the, uh, about the Vince saga that is continuing to move forward. There were, uh, some, some developments over the, over the past, uh, since last time we spoke, um, in regards to, uh, in regards to Vince McMahon. Um, when I recorded this last week, we had, uh, just found out that, uh, Vince was, uh, was taking a, uh, was um uh, was stepping down as chairman of of uh, of WWE and 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 CEO but was re- remain retaining his uh his role as head of creative uh during these uh, allegations that are that have been thrust upon him then on friday it's announced on this was announced on the same day oh no look we didn't no sorry he announced on Friday that he had stepped down. We didn't know this when I was recording on Thursday. On Friday, he announces, hey, you know what? We're, I'm stepping down. But then, WWE, in a very, very brief media release, states, quote, WWE announced that Mr. McMahon will appear on SmackDown tonight, 8 p.m. live on Fox. And everyone just lost their mind. They're like, what are they going to do? What what is this? Why would you give a platform to to the guy who is currently under investigation? This makes no sense. He showed up. He showed up right off the bat at eight. Took the microphone. Came into the music. No chance in hell. People chanted up and down. He got into the ring and he welcomed everyone to Friday Night SmackDown. And he said something to the effect of, you know, the signature that we have, then, uh, now, uh, what is it? Then, now, forever, together, right? Then, now, together, but more importantly, together. As if to say, guys, gals, we're going to get through this together. And like, no, we're not getting this. We're not going through this with you, Vince. This is all on you, Vince. I recuse, I recuse myself from this nonsense, Vince. What a... And it, he's like, no, we'll get through this together. I'm like, no, stop. Stop it, stop. And, and he did the same thing on Monday where he shows up out of nowhere, no chance. And then everyone's going, woohoo, it's Vince. To say that John Cena's coming next week. Now, don't fool yourselves. This is showmanship. This is egotism. This is Vince putting himself forward to show that he can do whatever he wants and that he has the support of the WWE Universe. What, Whatever fuck. We're going to get through this together. I was convinced... He was going to talk about how 
people are constantly trying to break him down that, you know, the, he fought the U.S. government and he won and all that sorts of bullshit. And, you know, all that nonsense. But don't fool yourselves. This is, you know, th this is Vince on a babyface run. This, <laughs> this is exactly what it is. It's Vince on a babyface run. That's what he wants to do here. And it's weird, and it doesn't make any sense, and it sucks. Oh, yeah. And he's probably going to do it again. He's probably going to do it again. Oh, and then it was announced, uh, well, it was reported, right, by, by a few sources. I don't know, probably Fightful broke it first. I would assume, no, a PWI Insider? I don't know. Uh, John Laurinaitis was not backstage at SmackDown. Uh, as Vince McMahon is set to appear on the show. Laurinaitis is not at SmackDown in Minneapolis, and he didn't show up on Raw either. As he is part of this investigation uh, in regards to, you know, this $3 million in hush money and the NDAs and all that, he's part of all of this. Uh, it turns out that uh, Laurinaitis has been, uh, has been uh, suspended, and Bruce Pritchard, has been put in his place. So, uh, I'll read the report off of uh, uh, Pro Wrestling, uh, postwrestling.com. Pritchard, uh, Bruce Pritchard is taking on interim head of talent relations role in WWE. There is an ongoing investigation into a secret settlement between Vince McMahon and a former WWE employee. This investigation is being looked into by the company's board of directors. The Wall Street Journal report, which broke this story, read that there are non-disclosure agreements involving other former female employees who made misconduct claims against both McMahon and John Laurinaitis. According to PW Insider, Laurinaitis has been placed on administrative leave. He was the head of talent relations. And now filling in for him as the interim head of the department is Bruce Pritchard. Um, and this was confirmed by Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful. Um, a memo was issued to talent about the change and noted that Pritchard would provide a quote-unquote seamless transition. Pritchard recently underwent surgery for a torn rotator cuff. Um, the, uh, no, by the way, chat, no other women have come forward. This was part of the original report from the Wall Street Journal. They said that they had this one, the, this one, a uh, uh, clear report from the paralegal, but there is an investigation into a, alleged, there are allegedly more NDAs. There are more than just the one similar NDAs from other talent. This was reported. The, the Wall Street Journal couldn't say how many. They didn't, they, they were unable to get an exact confirmation on the amount of supplementary NDAs that are out there. So there, it's, it's likely not just a, a one-time deal. Now, uh, again, this don't be fooled here. Laurinaitis has been put on administrative leave. He hasn't been fired. He hasn't been reprimanded. He's just like, all right, move away from this. And Bruce Pritchett has taken over. Because the, this, is, this is the appearance of accountability is what it is. But it's not, a, it's not accountability. Right? This isn't John Laurinaitis... Taking the taking the bullet for Vince. This is just like, no, we're just going to move you away and we'll bring you back. And you know, 
WWE has a history of this. It has a history of sort of, oh, we're going to punish this person, but then not actually following through with it. Um, you know, many of you have probably heard of, you know, the, uh, the Ring Boy scandal, right? With Terry Garvin and Mel Phillips being accused of sexual misconduct and sexual harassment. Well, I didn't know, like, this is a detail that often gets put aside, but Pat Patterson was also part of those accusations here. And he was released from WWE following sexual harassment allegations in 92. But he was rehired once the allegations were dropped. Jerry Lawler, right, was accused of raping a 15-year-old girl in 1993. What did the WWE do? They forced him to take time off. They did. They forced him in 93 to do that. When the allegations popped up, he was rehired in 94. There's no wins here. There's no, oh! This is all the appearance of accountability. But there, this, is, this is the pattern that WWE has had for decades. And it hasn't changed. We're still at the exact, exact same place so unless there's really unless there's some really significant concrete stuff coming up and there's now there's multiple lawsuits that are being that are coming together from the stockholders from the shareholders of wwe there's lawyers, uh, there's uh, law firms is what I'm trying to say, that are going in and go doing their own investigation on behalf of the shareholders. Because let's not forget this original um, investigation was put forward by the board of directors. But now the shareholders are going in for, for more details. And I think we're up to five law firms right now that are investigating on behalf of the shareholders and this you don't be surprised about this because shareholders usually are very very excited at these propositions because it usually means that they can squeeze some money out of this right that's essentially what like there's no surprise here but we're gonna we're, we're going to see how all of this how all of this turns out But I talked about it at length last week. You can go back and check that out. I broke it down and I gave my thoughts. I speculated on what's going on and why this is happening at this exact moment and why Stephanie is in is in position and suddenly Triple H is back and you know it's like there's a lot of stuff. There's a there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Um There's a, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of dots to be connected here. I'm it's a developing story. We're going to keep an eye on it. But one story that is no longer a developing one is the Oliver Luck Vince McMahon XFL wrongful termination lawsuit. That story's done uh, because um, uh, you know we were talking about it last week where they had a uh, uh, Luck and McMahon uh, or at least their legal teams 
had a meeting, lasted under 10 minutes, and they were going to trial. They could they had brought in some media some mediators and they were unable to to find common ground and we were going to trial and I was like fucking right let's go let's go let's expose some stuff here let's get some let's get some insights into what Vince McMahon is doing into what everything how how things are settled how you know Alpha Entertainment was set up and so on and so forth but no uh, on Monday this past Monday McMahon and Luck reached a settlement. In uh, Oliver Luck's wrongful termination lawsuit, Luck, uh, who had been hired to be the commissioner of the 2020 uh, XFL revival, was seeking approximately $24 million in compensation. Of course, the financial terms of the settlement haven't been disclosed. Uh, Quote, the parties reached an agreement to resolve this case on June 16, 2022, said Luck's attorney, Paul Dabrowski, in a filing last Friday, Dabrowski was seeking a judicial order to permanently seal the records in the case, which he got. Uh, the uh, The settlement has been filed with prejudice, meaning that uh, basically this case cannot be reopened. They can the, neither McMahon or Luck can reopen this case uh, for. Uh, well, can, can sue each other for the same conditions as this case here. Uh, as we recall, Luck, who was a uh, whose contract as XFL commissioner had been personally guaranteed by McMahon, was just fired days before the XFL folded amid the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. McMahon claimed that he fired Luck due to, quote-unquote, gross neglect of his job, unquote, during the pandemic, personal use of a league-assisted cell phone, and signing wide receiver Antonio Callaway, despite Callaway having legal issues. When McMahon announced the relaunch of the XFL in 2018, he stated no players with criminal histories would be welcome in the league. A judge had thrown out McMahon's other claims, with the Callaway issue being the only one that would have been considered if the lawsuit went to trial. McMahon filed a counter lawsuit in January 2021, for a very specific number, like four five hundred and ninety five hundred and seventy six thousand dollars, like a very very specific amount. Um, <clears throat> so uh, so there we go. Now it's all settled, so it's not going to court. It's done. I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed because I really when this was going to trial because it's in it's when you get to the trials and the documents get unsealed and then you can you can you, you get to look at everything. You're like, uh, then you get to learn more about Vince's business practices. And so that's one thing off his plate. Maybe, maybe now SmackDown will be a better show. Oh, look, we are going to wrap this up for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all very much for being here. And look, hey, if it's your first time being here, you enjoyed it, you had a good time, subscribe to the channel. Just hit the subscription, do the bell thing. That way you won't miss a thing of what happens here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel right here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Look, I'm not going to be doing, as I said, a podcast next Thursday. I'm going to be moving. I'm still debating as to whether or not I'll do an instant reactions, a post show for Forbidden Door uh, this uh, this Sunday. I might. 
since I won't be here on Thursday. I'll be watching Forbidden Door. So maybe I'll do a post show. Subscribe. That way you'll be sure that you won't uh, that you won't miss on it and and then feel very, very sad you did. <laughs> I want to thank well, thank you very much. Thank you, uh, thank you for the nice words. Thank you very much for for joining me, for taking the time out of your day every Thursday or whenever you listen to give to to give a to give some time to me and my ramblings i sincerely deeply appreciate it i appreciate it a great deal hope to see you guys in a couple of weeks again once i'm all set up in my new headquarters in the meantime have a great weekend and we'll see you next time